0: you might be closetly or unconsciously perpetuating racism and racist ideals in certain ways that you might not even be aware of.
1: Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jared Keith Gaynor, managing editor at The Griot.
0: And I'm your co-host, Shauna Penix, social media director here at The Griot. And this week we're asking, sis, are you problematic?
1: So, Shauna, before we get into today's episode, we have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. I hear that you are incensed about a particular teacher in Georgia. So I'm going to let you unpack that and react.
0: Yes. So this is about a teacher by the name of Susan McCoy, who teaches in Georgia. Jaren, you know, we have fond memories of all things Georgia because of the school that we went to. But so Miss McCoy teaches forensic science at Mapleton's Pebble Brook High School and apparently during a virtual class for whatever reason, and I don't know why this had to apply to a forensic science class. Don't think it does. But Susan McCoy decided to go and bring her mayonnaise Karen behind into this class room and telling these children how Brianna Taylor essentially got herself killed Now, I'm going to read exactly what she says in the class, and the kids, see this is what I love about you Gen Z kids, y'all love to record and you got receipts on deck. I appreciate it. Let's also recognize that during this class, she didn't even know Brianna's name. So she was like, what's the girl's name? She's talking to someone, you know, off camera, and she's like, what's the girl's name? Brianna something. First off, the fact that you don't even know this woman's name is problematic in itself, but we'll get there. So she goes, I'm sorry she was killed, but you know, when you hang out with people with guns and shooting, you're likely to get caught in the crossfire. And then she proceeded to basically regurgitate a bunch of Fox News, Breitbart nonsense that is not at all rooted in fact. So, I'm actually not surprised because, I mean, it is what it is, you know, but it's just a matter of, in the grand scheme of things, we really don't know what these teachers are teaching our children. And what's been so frustrating is maybe for the last year, two years or so, we've heard reports about how there are teachers who are out here making elementary school students reenact slavery or answer questions of how would you punish a slave and all of this nonsense. And I'm like, you are supposed to be the person that these kids trust, the person who is educating our children. And your form of education is rooted in ignorance. And quite frankly, is rooted in racism. Now, of course, Miss McCoy went and backtracked and offered her apology and realized that she broke the trust of students and blah, 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 blah. BS, BS, BS. And I'm just like, don't all of a sudden have all the moment to cop, please. Job is on the line because you are wholeheartedly into your argument. You were sitting up here talking about, oh no, because she was living with a drug dealer when your students, these teenagers had to go tell you, no, don't know where you're getting your facts from, but she actually was not living with him. That was her ex too. He was already in custody. So what are you talking about? And she's over here stumbling over her words. Well, you know, whether so or else. No, 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 no. See, And I'm trying not to cuss on this episode today. But chick... the word that I want to use. You have got some damn audacity unmitigated gall and gumption. And quite frankly if I were a parent, I would have broken quarantine because she would just have to come see me in the parking lot. Plain and simple. It's irresponsible and it's disgusting. And now here you are, stuck on the summer jam screen because you wanted to be a racist idiot for no reason. And a racist idiot who knows nothing. You are sitting here and relying on information that is wholly untrue. Wholly incorrect. What? You know what? Anyway, Jaren, so that was my little bit. I just had to let that go. You know, actually I'll end it with saying, Susan McCoy, please go have sex with yourself. That's what I want to say. But Jaren, yes, what about you?
1: (laughs) Shauna, you never cease to amaze me. So what's on my mind this week is it's time for reparations. If you have been following the news at all, reparations has come up a bit in the news because the House of Representatives are now discussing or mulling whether or not they should move forward with a bill called H.R. 40 to create a commission to study reparations. Now, this is not the first time that this bill has been presented. It's actually been presented, I think, since 1989 by former Congressman John Conyers. It was reintroduced by Sheila Jackson Lee. And this is a very, I think, momentous moment in history, because we have a black vice president, we have a president who says he supports this commission, and that he is willing to stand behind it. And it's not a bill to actually enact reparations, it's simply to study. And the fact that it's taken over, what, 30 years now, for us to finally get here is really embarrassing as a country, because slavery is the most egregious sin of America. And America has apologized for not many things, but they have apologized for certain things in the past, one of which was the Tuskegee Institute experiment, which obviously we knew used black men as guinea pigs in a study about syphilis. They apologized to Hawaii for the overthrow of Hawaii's monarchy, which ended up leading to the annexation of Hawaii. They also apologized for the internment of Japanese citizens in the World War II, but they've never apologized officially for slavery. And to be black in America and to be talking about racial justice and racism in the America in 2021, and to know still that America hasn't apologized for it and has not moved forward on reparations, it's laughable. And so I think it is now time to not only enact this law to study the commission, but to actually move forward and actually figure out how do we provide reparations for Black Americans? Is it a check like we did for the stimulus for during the pandemic? Is it providing loans for Black families to purchase homes? Is it wiping away Black people's debt? Whatever it is, we have to figure out a plan and not just talk about it because even during Obama's years, he never apologized officially on behalf of America. He has since said that he did not move on reparations because of white resistance. But insiders say that it was really because the Obama administration did not think that it was appropriate for America's first black president to be the one to do it. And so here we are, we have a white man in the White House who has ran his campaign on not only solidarity and healing the wounds of America, but speaking out against racism outright and talking about equity and racial justice. And so if President Biden really means what he has said during the campaign, what he has said in his first two months of his presidency, then I think that he should be the one to make sure that that we do this because Democrats might not have this level of control again because we don't know what's going to happen in the midterm elections. And so Republicans might get control again of the House or the Senate. And right now, Democrats have a slim majority. But if we're going to do this, let's do this now. I don't think it will happen because the way that politics plays out in Washington, they're too scared to move when it comes to things of race. And that's unfortunate. But I want to apply that pressure on President Biden and Vice President Harris and Democrats in Washington. Because if we don't do this, we will continue to see this cycle that we see in America, we talk about race, and we have these movements, and white people seem to get it and seem to have these awakenings. But then they go right back to living and existing in this societal structure that we have, which is really rooted in race. And that is the founding of our country. And so if you're going to really become this new America, that everyone claimed that Democrats and liberals and progressives claim they want to see, you have to first look back at the origin of how we got here. And the only way to atone for it is through reparations. And I think that that should be some monetary value. So, President Biden, Democrats, shape up. Let's make sure that H.R. 40 is passed, but let's go further.
0: I definitely agree. And let's talk about this Voting Rights Act. Like The GOP is out here wilding right now. They saw our power and they are frightened, okay, (laughs) and doing everything that they can. But Definitely a great point, Jaren. I just want to shift a little bit into today's episode. So as we all know, March is Women's History Month. And just for some historical background, the more, you know, little shooting star, ring rainbow. Women's History Month began as a week-long local celebration in Santa Rose, California in the late 1970s. And it didn't even become a nationally official recognized celebration until 1987, the year I was born. So not that long ago. And if you had any jokes to the contrary, stop it. And that only happened when Congress passed public law 100-9, designating March as Women's History Month. And here at the grill, I'm so proud, we're celebrating the month with the appropriately titled theme, Black Women Amplified, where we honor black women and girls of the past and present who are making strides in our culture. Now, while we are all about giving black women their much deserved flowers, it's also important that we lovingly hold them accountable. And we all know toxic men do exist in the black community. We talk about it all the time. I get dragged for it when I call it out. All the time, by the hoteps, it's fine. But this week, we want to talk about the ways in which black women can also participate and perpetuate that toxicity. Everything from internalized misogyny, outrageous respectability politics, and homophobia. The truth is, you may be treading in some toxic waters and not even realize it. But luckily, we're here to help massage things in a way that is constructive and loving. Let's get into it. Okay, so Jaren, to start off this conversation, I think we have to get into internalized misogyny. And so for the audience, if you might not know what exactly that is, internalized misogyny is when women subconsciously and sometimes consciously project sexist ideas onto other women and even onto themselves. And just an example of this week, what happened to me, which is fun times. We have been reporting recently on T.I. and his wife, Tiny's sexual abuse allegations. And I mean, it's gross. There's a lot going on there, but... There was someone on our Instagram page, a black woman who commented, I don't know how true any of this is, but think about it. T.I. was becoming the voice of reasoning for the black community and like Bill Cosby, they're trying to permanently shut him up. They did it to Malcolm X, I'm just saying, and many other black men. Why would he be so different? Now, there's a lot wrong with her statement, a whole lot. First off, one, if you're looking to Clifford Harris for any kind of direction or voice of reasoning for the black community says, you are already lost, okay? I'm sorry. You just bring it back. Get back to sanity. Two, why are we mentioning Malcolm X in the same sentence, or the same paragraph, rather, as T.I. and Bill Cosby? Fine. Fine. Cool. Now, so the story was about Sabrina Peterson, who is the former friend of T.I. and Tiny, who was suing the both of them for defamation of character. Ever since she basically like started with these allegations and calling T.I. a predator, of course, she's been attacked. Right. We all know that that was going to happen. Believe black women is just not something that just happens freely. But I found it. Not baffling, not surprising, but really disappointingly, how many Black women have been, like, coming to TI's aid. And this is not the first time. Let's talk about when T.I. was over here talking about his daughter, Deja, and her hymen, which is weird, bro. It's weird. It's weird and it's gross. And it's again, a perfect example of toxic masculinity. And there were so many women, women who were out here talking about, well, I mean, you know, that's what a father's supposed to do. He's supposed to, you know, take care and preserve his daughter's virginity. First off, girl, let go of the shack. Unleash yourself, okay? It's an albatross around your neck, walking around with this internalized misogyny. Virginity is BS, okay? I gave my virginity, I lost my virginity, all this other stuff. Sex is completely natural. Deja is a grown ass woman, leave her alone. One, two, why are you condoning this father, his father sitting here talking about his daughter's organs at all? That's weird. It's weird and it's gross. And just seeing even the argument of, oh, yeah, because, you know, they tried to shut up Bill Cosby. I'm sorry. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing Bill Cosby was trying to purchase NBC. Absolutely not. No, I'm sorry. When there are 60 plus women all saying the same thing about you, I don't care if 59 of those women are lying. If one of them is telling the truth, then you're a rapist, bro. You're a predator, bro. You need to be in jail, bro. That's it. Like, that's (laughs) That's all there is. And to see women who are just so immersed in this idea of trying, especially when it comes to black men, trying to preserve black manhood, trying to coddle black men to the detriment of themselves. And you're putting that on other black women of like, oh, well, you know, they knew what time it was. You know what I mean? Like, child, it brings me to R. Kelly. You know what? We're going to get into that. Let me ask you, Jaren, what are your thoughts (laughs) on the entire concept of internalized massage?
1: Yeah, so like one I want to say that as a black man I have I'm gonna tread lightly on this episode <laughs> I'm not a woman and I can't speak to that experience but I do know generally, I look at internalized misogyny the same way I look at internalized racism, internalized mm-hmm. homophobia, and essentially it's just buying into a societal structure that was established by the oppressor or mm-hmm. the person in power. And in the case of misogyny, it's men. Men have run the world for a very long time. Also, I think it's important to note that not every society has put women down. There have been uh, tribal communities who have where women are the center of the community. But mm-hmm. when you think about America and the founding of America and just the way that women have been oppressed just throughout the globe, I think it speaks to this fear of going against the establishment, because it's much easier to just fit in where you can get in. Because when you're not in a position of power, you're in a position of weakness. Mm-hmm. And in order to avoid that, we buy into it and we start to believe it. And so there are women who believe these sexist ideals of how women should be treated or that women shouldn't be believed or that women are mischievous or that women's bodies belong to men. And and so when, in the case of T.I. and not wanting to see black men being teared down, there's also the racial elements. I feel like black women have always protected black men have always stood up for black men when black men are shipped to prison or when they're killed who is there to speak out on their behalf is black women and sometimes that gets distorted and Mm -hmm. black women they want to hold on to whatever positive image that we can salvage of black men because we know what this country has done to black men and black women but internalized misogyny is everywhere you look in the same way that so is internalized racism and internalized homophobia and as a black man i've had to even check myself because there was a time where I felt like because I was queer that I'm not like them. You know, I don't have misogyny or sexism. But it's truly indoctrinated. When you're born into this world, you don't know anything but what is taught to you and the images that are reflected back to you. And so I think it's important as we navigate this conversation, this episode, that we really emphasize that we're not villainizing anyone, that it should be understood that we all are susceptible to internalize whatever the isms might be. And I think that Black women in particular who exhibit internalized misogyny are, are ultimately victims. They're victims of a society that that made them think this way, but it's important for us to be to be agents, active agents, and have our own and how we how we see ourselves into the world and going um, these lies that have been taught to us.
0: And so, so crazy, but I always try and like break things down so that people can kind of understand it in like plain terms, right? So it's kind of like you have to take into example of a white man who has a black wife black children, black family. And it's like, if a white man who had child who and a black wife were to say, yeah, but clearly there's no way that I can be racist. No, because you're still kind of born into the system that you might be closetly or unconsciously perpetuating racism and racist ideals in certain ways that you might not even be aware of. And I think it's kind of the same when it comes to black women too, right? So we're like, no, we're black women and we're fighting for believe black women and trust black women and black women are the most disrespected demographic in America and all this other stuff there's no way that I could be perpetuating <laughs> internalized misogyny it's like no sis but yes you are and let's also I think what's so important to have to acknowledge and this is why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation and I thank the producers for allowing me to be able to say this part is because as much as I love my sisters as much as I will fight and die for my sisters I will defend y'all to the death however I think we have to acknowledge that. This whole idea of trying to protect Black women and uplift Black women has almost kind of morphed into this movement where Black women are almost beyond reproach. And that's not the case. Like, yeah, sis, we can be problematic too. It's a problem. (laughs) Like, it's something that we need to address. Like, I don't know. We got to figure this out, man.
1: And staying on this topic, there are so many examples of internalized misogyny in popular culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think are some good examples of misogyny misogyny and entertainment or culture.
0: Oof, I got two just top of mind. Tory Lanez with his lack of hair follicles. You know how I can't stand that Lilliputian man. I cannot stand him, that tiny little man. I found so many Black women. I was expecting it from ashy Black men. I was, you know, defending Tory Lanez. I was. Sorry, not sorry. But there were so many Black women who, if I your Twitter timeline. You are out here talking about protect black women, believe black women, all this other stuff. But because Tory Lanez put out an album that you like now, oh well, you know, oh no, we gotta wait till we hear both sides of the story. And you know, Tory said it and I think it's true. Like, how can he shoot her? And there's no bullets in her foot. Like, all of a sudden, everybody is a damn surgeon (laughs) and a damn podiatrist to know all the things that's going on in the foot. And I'm like, yo, do you not even realize that your default mode is to believe this black man, despite the fact that we saw a video of here go Megan bleeding from her foot as she's limping, you know, doing a kickball change to the back and some police got her hands up. And then we see her laying on the ground and passing out from a bullet wound and y'all are still out here talking about oh well I don't know you know and then Kelsey Kelsey is probably having an internalized misogyny moment herself boo why has that not occurred to you I, I think the next clear and blatant example would definitely be I touched on it a little earlier a few minutes ago women who are defending are Kelly now Robert Kelly is a gross human being Robert Kelly is a predator. Robert Kelly is an abuser, and Robert Kelly deserves to stay and rot in prison. I want to see him under the jail. I don't care how many bops he put out. I don't care how oh, well, he's a genius. Who the F cares when he is doing irreparable harm to black women and girls? And I cannot tell you how disgusting I feel, or how disgusted I am, rather, when I see, especially when it comes from older black women because i know what that's rooted in but older black women who are like well you know those young girls would be pushing up on r kelly and blah 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 and why didn't they talk about this sooner and all of this nonsense and i'm like so we're saying that we're gonna hold i don't know a 13 14 15 year old girl accountable for something a 20 30 40 50 something year old man did to them because they're fast. Let's unpack that for a moment. I remember as a kid and being told, you can't do that, you don't want to be one of those fast little girls and whoop, 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 whoop. And I remember getting, every girl thinks that she's grown at some point in time in her teenage life. And so here you are, 15, 16, and you got like this 22, 23, 24, 25 year old man or older who's interested in you. And you're like, oh, I feel so grown and I feel so adult. And we don't know that that's because those men are predators. Those men are the ones to blame. I'm not holding a child. I'm not holding a girl. I'm not holding a woman. I'm not holding any of those things accountable when it comes to men abusing them. No, you're not going to tell me that a 13, 14, 15 year old girl seduced this older man. I'm sorry. Her brain isn't even fully developed yet. That is an example of black women tearing one another down and it's so disappointing to know that for so long i mean it's trendy now to say we got to support and protect and defend our little black girls but for so long so Many of us were comfortable with unleashing into the world a generations of little black girls who were abused, who were targeted, who were sexually exploited just because we can't get it in our heads of like, you know what, that actually it isn't our fault. It isn't her fault. And it wasn't my fault. That's where it comes down to where you have to unpack all of that but i don't know man damn we all need therapy like this is where i've landed on it and it really disheartens me to see black women tearing one another down just for the sake of because we haven't unlearned patriarchy and misogyny and misogynoir we haven't unlearned it and we haven't taken the time to force ourselves to unlearn it so many of us are still deep in the waters of BS patriarchy, and it's sad. What do you think,
1: Darren? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more on violence and sexual abuse because while my experience is a bit different, I am a victim of child molestation. Mm -hmm. And I've been talking about this with my therapist for a couple of years now. And I remember when I had a revelation about my assault because I thought that because somehow semi-liked it that I was complicit. And I remember telling someone in my life about the situation. And the reaction wasn't what I thought it was. They weren't as supportive as I thought. And my therapist told me that it could have triggered them, that oftentimes people shut down emotionally, they're unable to empathize. It's a mm-hmm. shutdown. It's like what the body does when you're faced with trauma or anxiety or fear, you shut down. And I think that for women, we're talking about generations upon generations of trauma, of seeing women raped and abused and ignored and treated as property and devalued. And so not only do you buy into this idea that this is how it should be, you begin to believe it. It's almost like you're walking dead. It's like your consciousness, you're just not aware until someone's able to sit you down and be like, sis, this is problematic. This is wrong. And I think that it's important to have these conversations to hear a Black women like yourself speaking to these issues. Because like you said, you know, we often talk about the things that black women have to face, they're the most disrespected group, period. But we also have to talk about the flip side of that is that when you are so degraded, when you are so devalued, your mentality is morphed into Mm -hmm. something that can be just as pervasive and toxic. And so it's really important to acknowledge that. And my heart always goes out to people who are victimized in that way and then not believe or are ridiculed or belittled for their abuse. And then just perpetuates this cycle of abuse. And then you teach it to your children and your children's children. And so it's really important for us to stop these generational cycles and to be able to identify what is toxic, what is damaging to the human spirit, the human condition, the human spirit of Black women. And then we can start to repair and heal and start to reshape our minds around what is the role of men and women in society and should there be a distinction at all? But I also want to talk about misogyny in reality TV. Mm -hmm. Now, I consume a lot of reality TV. I have to admit, you know, Housewives of Atlanta being one of my favorites and Married to Medicine. And I don't watch Love and Hip Hop anymore, but I used to be an avid watcher of Love and Hip Hop. And again, I'm speaking as a man, so I'm just looking from the outside in. But I do see examples of patriarchy or patriarchal ideas being perpetuated in reality TV. And oftentimes when you see women these castmates on these shows arguing almost always at the center of their arguments is who has a man who doesn't have a man <laughs> Who's who's not married? Who has a child? Who doesn't have a child? Who can have a child? Who's too old to have a child? It it seems like whenever they'll come together and they'll have these sisterhood bonds. And in the moment that they have a disagreement, usually the most vicious thing comes out of your mouth, you know, when you get into arguments. And the first thing that they say is, well, you know, she's too old to have a child or nobody wants to marry you. And that perpetuates this idea that you are not valuable as a woman unless a man wants you, unless a man wants to procreate with you. Mm -hmm. And that is very dangerous dangerous and not only is it dangerous just in general but then it's on TV and then little girls watch this who are impressionable and I can't tell you how many times I've seen young girls in my neighborhood on the school bus no, I'm not I'm on the school bus but the public transportation you know you hear the conversations that they say and they're just spewing the same things that they hear and see on TV and so that's why when black women for years have been talking about the representation of black women on reality TV that's why it's important because if we're going to stop these cycles we're going to stop perpetuating these pictures ideals, we have to be very conscious about the images that we put on TV, because not only are young girls consuming that, but Adult women are consuming that and thinking that that's okay to think like this or behave like this. And it also, I think, pushes the notion to men that that's how it should be, that men rule the world and that your value is always going to be attached to a man. And if that is your frame of thinking, that in its own origin is sexist and misogynist. And we have to really unpack that. Now, I also want to talk about hip hop because The thing about misogyny is that it starts to create this conquer and divide mentality and you can see that nowhere better than in hip hop Mm -hmm. because when Nicki Minaj for example was on the scene it was like oh we immediately compare one black woman to the next so we compared Nicki Minaj to Lil' Kim and you know they had a personal relationship that turned awry and the public doesn't quite know what the real intricacies of that is but on a general level, people just like to compare Nicki to Kim. Is she more talented and is she biting off the little Kim? And Nicki Minaj for about, what, 10 years, she was the preeminent black woman in hip hop. And it perpetuated this idea that there can only be one. When there's dozens and dozens of men in hip hop, who are not compared in the same way. Men in hip-hop, they do songs together. They make money together, right? And there was a time, thank God, things have changed a lot in hip-hop for women. But during that time, I think that, I can't speak for Nicki Minaj, but I used to always have this idea, this feeling that Nicki felt like she couldn't share her throne. Like she couldn't share the stage with other women because she knew that the way that society is set up, the way that we look at hip-hop, the way we allow women to function in hip-hop, they can only be one. And so her focus was on staying number one. But thankfully we have a plethora of black women in hip hop who are, you know, we have Doja Cat and Megan Thee Stallion and there's so many, Cardi B obviously, and so now we're seeing more of that, but hip-hop has a long way to go because not only do i see that same conquer and divide in women but also just controlling what women can say and what they can't say when cardi b and megan the Stallions talk about their vaginas all of a sudden it's controversial but almost every song that men in hip-hop record are about how amazing they are because they have big penises or how amazing they are in bed well shake the table then Jared <laughs> We'll talk about it. So you know it's so pervasive, and so if we're going to move forward in a society where men and women are equal, that means that women they can talk about sexual pleasure, they can talk about their body parts, and they can own their bodies the same way that men do. We really have to get out of that way of thinking. But I also want to talk about Aisha Curry because she's come up when we were talking about production for this episode. Aisha Curry's name came up, and Mm -hmm. for those who might not know, Aisha Curry faced criticisms for comments she's made in the past on Twitter. One in particular where she said, quote, just looking at the latest fashion trends, I'll take classy over trendy any day of the week. And she said, hashtag Saturday Night Inside. And it really incensed a lot of people because she was appearing to judge other women for maybe being too sexy, implying that she's classy and that anyone who doesn't fit into whatever her ideal of a woman, that if you don't fit into that purview, that you're not classy. And again, it creates this division that I'm better than you. Oh, so I want to get back to her talking about fashion and beauty. I think it really gets to the heart of things because then you fast track a little bit further and then she ended up confirming that she had botched plastic surgery and mm-hmm. she had posted bikini pictures. And so it shows you that while Aisha Curry is a beautiful woman and people, I think, praise her for her beauty, it shows you that even though Aisha Curry has maybe an insecurity about how she looks. And I think that society makes women feel like they have to look a certain way. They have to dress a certain way to be valuable, to have a, your proper place, in society. Yeah. And I want to read another quote from Aisha Curry, and she said, something that really bothers me and honestly has given me a sense of a little bit of an insecurity is the fact that yeah there are all these women throwing themselves at him talking about her husband but me like the past 10 years i don't have any of that i have zero this sounds weird but like male attention and then i begin to internalize it and i'm like is something wrong with me Mm -hmm. and i think that that really gets to the root of i think what a lot of people not just women i think that even in in the black gay community but we're talking about black women in particular on this episode there's a way that all this misogyny and sexist thinking starts to internalize in women and makes them question themselves and some people will evolve and be like aisha and go maybe it's me like I feel insecure. I think that that's a good starting place to acknowledge that your outlook on life might be centered around how you feel about yourself or how mm-hmm. society makes you feel about yourself. But some people don't get there. Some people just, they don't do that introspection. And mm-hmm. so it comes out like, oh, you're a hoe because you dress a certain way. You're a thought because you like to have multiple sexual partners, but we don't hold men to those same standards. And so I think that Ayesha Curry is a good segue point to talk about that ability to have a little growth and evolution. Check out what Aisha Curry had to say to Jada Pinkett Smith on the Red Table Talk episode First Ladies of the NBA Meet the Currys which aired in May 2019.
0: Something that really bothers me and like honestly has given me a sense of a little bit of an insecurity is the fact that yeah like there are all these women like throwing themselves but me like the past 10 years like I don't have any of that like I have zero this sounds weird, but like male attention, and so then you like I begin to internalize it. it, and I'm like, is something wrong with you're me? Not th- like, you're not, what not looking. looking. You're not like, looking. You're not even. You're not looking. But I'm gonna tell you something else too. When your radar's turned off, because I, I dealt with that for years too. Like, and I was young, like you. Yeah, I'm like, like That's oh not my god. Fair. I mean, because I don't want it, but yeah. it'd be nice to know that like someone's looking. talking about Asia Curry, that means we got to talk about pick-me behavior and respectability politics. You touched on it a little bit there. But so, for the audience that doesn't know, pick-me's are women who are seeking approval, attention, adoration, all that crap from men typically, and even to the detriment of themselves. And when you're tying that into respectability politics, if you don't know what that is, by definition, respectability politics are a set of beliefs holding that conformity to prescribed mainstream standards typically rooted in patriotism hierarchy and misogyny, so mainstream standards of appearance, behavior, all of those things will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, right? And you're thinking that it's going to protect you from prejudices and systemic injustices. So think of it like this, a pick me would agree with the statement that a young lady should not have been wearing a certain revealing outfit and getting drunk at a party, you know, that resulted in her sexual assault or some other kind of uncomfortable thing that happened to her. Like a pick me would agree with that, And the part of the respectability politics is that, oh yeah, no, she should be wearing bodice clothes and uh, and all this other stuff. Basically the whole, oh, you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Let me tell you something. I know plenty of hoes who is housewives, plenty, and who are having the best of time. Okay. I know plenty of women who have smashed on the first night and guess what? Got a ring. Matter of fact, let's talk about Cardi B since we were just talking about her because y'all were so incensed on that WAP lyric of I don't cook, I don't clean, but let me tell you how I got this ring. Yes. Gobble me, swallow me. Yes. All of those things. (laughs) And I think it's so crazy because at the end of the day, it's one of those things of like us trying to delve into the whole idea of respectability politics and why I hate it. And it takes so much time to free yourself from these thoughts. I have said this on this show. I support thought and Boppin. I support hoeing. You know why? Because men have been out here doing it forever. Enjoy yourself. Do it safely and have fun. And that is what this life is about. Now, in the same breath, if you're like, you know what? That's just not me. I would rather hold it down for my select, you know, one, two, three, four, five. That's fine too, sis. Do what you gotta do. But what you should not do is judge any woman who I'm sorry, she just got a regular dick appointment I mean, then that's her business mind your business mind you and yours stop minding other people's vagina mileage okay and because at the end of the day regardless of whether or not if you was out here modest and oh i've only slept with one person my entire life you know what'll still happen some goofball on the street will still sit up here and call you a hoe some fool on twitter will still sit here and be like oh well you out here owing it up i.e Lori harvey i.e. little Chloe Bailey who's out here. She can't even live her life with her fine ass. Can't even be out here with her big booty and them gorgeous lips and that gorgeous face and just running around in her drawers in the room, lighting some incense, getting some Palo Santo going. She can't even do that because here everybody comes. Oh, well, see, she just wanted me out. No, she's living her life. Mind your business. And for my sisters, I say this as someone who was a recovered pick me, right? And it took me years. I'm very honest about my pick me past okay where all you want to do is be chosen you want men to uphold you and put you on this pedestal on like not realizing that they'll knock your ass off that pedestal the moment that they feel like you've stepped out of their the box that they've put you in that you've stepped out of the parameters that they've put you in it's trash and it's garbage and it takes so much time and unlearning to do it I tell people oh I was absolutely a pick me up." up until maybe my 28th year of life, maybe. <laughs> I know I didn't bring pick in the last, you know, into my 30s, but hell, I turned 34 at the end of this month. Like, it's not that long ago. I'm fully aware. I had to go back and look at my old tweets like, is this the kind of shit you was on? what? Girl, free yourself. And it's so funny because I found myself this past week listening to one of my favorite albums, and that's a Survivor album by Destiny's Child. Gen Z, if you didn't know, yes, Beyonce was part of a trio. Yes, she was in a group. And there is a song on that album called Nasty Girl. And shit you not, I was driving the car, and you know, it comes on next, and the song starts with using a nasty, trashy, sleazy, classless, and it's like, Nasty put some clothes on I told you. And I found myself singing the song and I'm like, wait a goddamn minute. Hold on. <laughs> First off, Beyonce, Michelle, Kelly, y'all was out here in the Survivor video, Have- and y'all was telling us to put some clothes on what is this like no 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 and just even thinking about the idea of like yo I too was a person who was like that who I would see some girl walking around and she's cute and she's free and she is with her midriff top now if I'm hating on you now it's because I'm old and I'm in i'm in my mid-30s and i gotta get on the peloton for me to get my midriff body back i'm gonna get there but you know that's just me being a hater of your youth but when i was in my youth and i would see a girl walking around like that and i wasn't on that level i wasn't that confident to walk around like that yet and i would have hateful thoughts in my mind you know what i mean about another woman and it just brings me to like what gabrielle union said like you over here tearing this other woman down did you, did, you, did you pick you sis are you married now? Do you have a baby in you? All of this stuff. It's so crazy to realize how incendiary all of this is. I don't even know. And I think it goes into just respectability politics in general being rooted in, again, misogyny, toxic masculinity, and even a little bit of racism. What you think,
1: Jared? Absolutely. I think respectability politics is essentially following the rule book that was created by the oppressor. And people have to realize that the rule book wasn't set up for you to win. It was set up for you to fail. Fail. And mm-hmm. so that's why we see this cycle like it's never going to get you access to positions of power by following that rule book because the rule book was set up to create a hierarchy where men are here, women are here, straight people are here, gay, queer, transgender people are here, black, white. So the very premise of these respectability political ideals are rooted in making sure that only a select group gets to participate in positions of power or have or live their lives freely. In America, specifically it's always white cisgender men. But I want to talk about why respectability politics is problematic, not only because it creates division, but then it creates shame. And we shame women like women in politics. I think about Stacey Abrams and the fact that I think for so long in politics in particular, women were supposed to fit a mold of what society thought of women. You have to wear a dress, you have to be pretty, you can't be too aggressive. And we still see that play out in politics. But we're starting to see women in politics say, nope, I'm over that. This is not how we're going to play this. And Stacey Abrams, I think, is a perfect example of that. And I think about Serena Williams and how people break apart her body and try to make her out to be manly because she has a shapely figure. And so all these things are rooted in respectability politics that if you follow these rules, then if you're a woman, you will be able to have access and maybe get access to corporate America or Mm -hmm. if you want to get a husband you want to have a quality life you should follow these rules and it exists in every community in the black community don't be too loud don't speak ghetto you know gotta sound like the white man in the gay community it's like we have these ideas about femininity and masculinity and it's all warped because of patriarchy that men behave this way women behave this way and then for me I'm like as a queer feminine and masculine man where do I fit in and Mm -hmm. so you have have to decide to either go one way or the other but in order to dismantle respectability politics we have to understand that you don't have to choose one or the other that mm-hmm. you can be yourself that both can be true you can be strong and vulnerable that you can be loud and there can be telling you don't have to say anything at all but there's so much unpacking to do and i also just want to quickly highlight our executive producer blue talusma who wrote a phenomenal op-ed back in 2018 that kind of spoke to specifically the misogyny that black women face and in her op-ed she mentioned that it was to surprisingly, women who predominantly are the ones inflicting these misogynistic messages and hate speech toward women. And Mm -hmm. so we see that the rule book of white men continues to play out. And we start and that women have bought into this and that they continue to shame black women. And if you're a black woman who works in journalism or any public forum, then that the ideas that continue to be perpetuated in society and the messages that a lot of black women face in the industry. And we have to do better. We have to understand that these rules were not established for you. There's a really great book called Cast. It talks about the caste system and that caste system of America is rooted in, yes, class, but race, class, race, gender, all these things. And we have to be able to remove the veil and see that this society that we live in, it's not real life. It's like living in a dollhouse. It's make-believe. And the moment that you realize that you have power to just turn, take that dollhouse and just flip it upside down and create new systems and new ways of living, and I think that's what we're fighting for right now um, in America, and I'm inspired by where we are right now in America. Even though we still see examples of internalized misogyny and internalized racism, there's a greater consciousness happening. And there are Black women out there saying, y'all, we have to do better. We can't follow the oppressor's ways and think that it's going to lead us to liberation. We have to create new rules. And that's why it's important to have more black women in positions of power, because when you come from the most disrespected group in America, I feel like only black women, because of all that they've been able to see and experience, only they can really save us. And I want to, you know, make sure I'm not putting black women in a position of like being superheroes, like they alone have the power to do it. But I think that people need to listen more to black women and follow their lead Mm -hmm. because following white men and following men in general has not been successful for this country. It has not been successful for society in a global stage. And we have to be able to create a new pathway forward.
0: But even with that, I think, and again, I love my sisters, but it's one of those things of two, we have to charge one another to also do the introspection and the internal work to unpack certain things, right? So you already said you are a queer black man, right? And I know so many black women who have gay friends, who have gay hairstylists and, you know, fashion designers and all these other things, but they too perpetuate really ignorant and really disgusting views of homophobia, who are also like perpetuating really disgusting views of transphobia. Like let me go on record and say, and this does not have to apply to anyone else. That's on you. I'm going to say trans women are women. I'm never going to treat them as an aside. No, 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 no. When I'm talking about black women, I'm talking about cisgender women and trans women. I'm talking about however you are on the spectrum of LGBT, I don't care. I'm talking about us all. But trans women are women. I have had to have damn near knockdown drag out arguments with very close friends about that affirmation of trans women being women. I've had to check, even myself, but I've had to, you know, because it's all a learning process about certain things that are homophobic right i've had to check recently i had to check a family member who she got into an argument with a particular male and the first word out of her mouth was the f word and i said bro we got gay cousins like what are you doing like why first off you already know that that word is not for you one two you thought that the way how to hurt this man to incite him to whatever take the knife and twist it was to call him that I don't care if he was gay. I don't care. Why are you using that word to try and and I've seen that and I've seen that happen so many times. Carisha and yes, city girls, come on over to the table. That word is not for you. You sitting here and talking about how you would beat your son if he was gay. Sis, what? What are you talking about? Even something as simple as biphobia. All right, so here we are again. Grail fam, I'll let you in a little bit into my business. We have all seen, well, not all of us, but those of us who watch Insecure, we remember I remember, I believe season one, season two, where Molly was dating that guy, Jared, and he explained to her how he had like one sexual experience with a man, wasn't into it, he's straight, that's fine. And I remember the endless like week long conversation, the medium articles, the think pieces, everything else about if a man has one sexual experience, and I don't know why the magic cutoff number has to be one, whatever, or even the idea when people are saying like you do recognize, if I were to ask the majority of black women right now, would you date a man who has had a sexual experience with another man. vast majority would say no. And they would say, oh, that's just my preference. No, sis, let's take a moment and unpack it. And I can say this because I too was a person who was like that, maybe five, six years ago. Like, no, that's not for me. Uh Uh-uh, that makes me very uncomfortable. No, 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 no. It is biphobia. And let's get into why it is biphobia. It is not a preference. It is biphobia. It is rooted in the thought that bisexual people, especially bisexual men, are chronic cheaters. I'm sorry, we all know that these men who are only smashing down um, women, they, child, chronic cheating. Probably, Probably one. more. Probably more. One. Two. Ignorance. Because what you think is if your man is out here on, on some Janet Jackson in whatever that for Color girls movie, oh, you doing the bending. You know, if it's <laughs> And like, you think that whatever a man is doing, regardless of if he's safe or not, but you, if let's be real, what you think is, is that you are increasing your chances of catching HIV AIDS. Let's be very frank about that. Which let's also acknowledge, no, <laughs> just no, that's not the case. You're probably getting it for people who are, I hate to do the whole download narrative, but men who feel that they can't be honest about certain things. And I can say that for myself, it has been my preference, at least for the last maybe year or two, that I kind of prefer to date bisexual men. Quite frankly, I find them to be far more giving lovers. I find them to be less problematic. I know I'm not going to have to have a conversation with you about you know saying some ignorant ish about the gays and the straights. I know I'm not going to have to you know really deal too much with that. And I've told some of my friends this, and I've had my friends, some of my line sisters, who are like, "Trick, you are crazy," you know. And it is what it. Is. And I understand it. I completely get it because I was that person. But again, it's a matter of let's unpack all of this. Let's be real about it. Let's unpack transphobia. What is it to you as a black woman who was born with a vagina and working ovaries and all that other stuff in a period? What is it to you? Why is it an affront to you to set for someone else who identifies as a woman? What is this thing that you're trying to hold on to? Like, Are we trying to hold on to victimhood of being a woman? Because trans women are dying. At alarming rates, trans women are getting raped and killed and all of these things. I don't understand. Where is it, you know, that this, oh, we need to preserve cisgendered womanhood, blah, 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 JK Rowling. What is all of this about? For what? What is the purpose? I'm sorry. i seeing videos of trans women getting beat up by men and then watching black women join in on the assault, the physical assault of a trans woman is disgusting. disgusting, it is shameful, and y'all need to get your shit together. Plain and simple. I don't know what your problem is, but perhaps go to therapy and figure it out. It's not right. But Jaren, I wanted to ask you, being a queer Black man, have you experienced or had any like of your own personal experiences of homophobic comments, attitudes, etc from Black women?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten it from everyone. Mm-hmm. I've been called a faggot by both Black men and Black women and like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've always felt like I didn't fit in. I couldn't pick one or the other. And it was like, dang, like I'm not hyper masculine like the men and I don't fit in there. I'm not a woman and in some girls at the time of my childhood saw my sexuality as something to make fun of and so it's been a journey but I will say that black women have been the most supportive Mm -hmm. of me in my growth and my journey through manhood and owning my sexuality and I've forgiven anyone who's ever spoken unkindly of me because I know that it comes from that internalized misogyny that oftentimes when we operate in a society where you have this power dynamic this system when you are powerless you want to feel powerful Mm -hmm. and so So just like any other group or subgroup black women unfortunately some black women participate in this toxic behavior because even though they might not be able to acknowledge it for themselves they really want to participate in a way that makes them feel powerful that makes them feel like well I might be devalued as a woman but at least I'm not a trans woman so I'm going to like attack her Mm -hmm. or at least I'm not a gay man so I'm going to attack him and Mm -hmm. I've experienced being like in a relationship holding a man's hand in public and getting probably the worst reactions from women who have passed comments like essentially saying that because we are together that that's the reason why there's not enough black (laughs) men out i think that that speaks to one's own internal struggles because it is difficult for black women to have healthy relationships with black men and so it's easier to rather than blame the man you blame the gay men who have nothing to do with that equation because we don't want him anyway we don't want your straight man (laughs) so so I definitely have experienced that, but I know where it comes from, so I'm able to, like, compartmentalize these things. Instead, I respond now as an adult through a lens of love and compassion and understanding, but we have to do better. We have to be able to do that introspection work and ask ourselves, why do we feel the way that we feel? Why do we believe what we believe? Like, really ask yourself and answer it out loud and hear it back for yourself. Does that sound right? Does that work in the framework of liberation and freedom and love and compassion? If it doesn't fall into those categories, then it's likely toxic and is likely misogynist and sexist and racist and you have to do some work. Mm.
0: What? See, Jaren, two snaps for you, okay? <laughs> so I think that is just the perfect closing for this conversation and, you know, just to wrap up today's discussion, I think, like you said, Jaren, we have got to acknowledge that, again, none of us are perfect. Like I said, I'm over here still learning. You know, we all have biases and blind spots and unlearning toxicity takes so much work and probably a therapist, but fine. Either way, <laughs> it's not easy but with that said to my sisters if your aim is to be unproblematic and I sincerely hope that it is we have got to acknowledge that we have so much work to do and so much self-assessment and so I would encourage you all to identify these problematic ideals that you may unfortunately unknowingly be perpetuating and commit yourself to doing and being better don't worry sis you'll get there.
1: We want to remind our listeners to please support your local black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The black business that we will highlight this week is Alafia. Alafia was born from a deep sense of responsibility and genuine love for humankind. Officially founded by Alawal Indijo T'Challa in 2003, Alafia is a green, clean, and fair trade beauty company that is redefining the natural products industry through its value of beauty, equality, and empowerment. Products range from bubble baths, body washes, hand soaps, body lotions, shampoos, conditioners, deodorants, shade creams, and more, and are crafted using African recipes and methods at their U.S. headquarters in Olympia, Washington. Be sure to check out Alafia's website at www.alafia.com. That's A L A. FFIA.com. The GRIO has published a list of 50 plus black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you would like your business featured, please email us at infothegrio.com. At That's G-R-I-O.com.
0: And of course, thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, and I hope you do, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I promise, we're everywhere. And be sure to share it with everyone you know.
1: Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments at podcast at the griot.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio. executive produced by Blue Toulousema and co-produced by Sundas Hassan, Brenda Alexander, and Kevin Y. Brown.